Hello and welcome to Case Reopened. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me for our Movie 3 special is Colleen. You're here as always. Heck yes, uh, I'm here. Thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, joining us, our movie confidant, the great detective of the South, Spencer, what's up? Nothing much, Tyler and Colleen. How are y'all doing? Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, we knew. We were like, man, the movie's coming up. We need to have Spencer on. It's become a case reopened tradition. We can't do a movie without you. Oh, well, then I thank you for that, for just that honor with that. And then that man, this movie. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite the movie. It's The Last Wizard of the Century. It originally released April 17th, 1999. Before we get into it, I do want to mention that I introduced some characters that are mostly part of the uh, Tokyo Police Force. And these people are so inconsequential that I did not recognize any of them, and they weren't even mentioned in it, probably any of my notes. But they are the following Detective Kobayashi, Detective Yokoyama, Detective Yamamoto, and Detective Kojima. These all appear for like 20 episodes in the series somehow, and I never knew they existed, so the more you know. Yeah, so don't uh, be too mad at us if we're not going to talk about them. Right. And, and if you happen to be a fan of Detective Kobayashi. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, boy. He seems pretty cool. Yeah, that the Osaka police are always the cool ones. Yeah. Uh, here's the uh, <laughs> here's the wiki description for Detective Kobayashi. He is a man with stubble and a strange impact. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> strange okay, impact? Minds. Let's keep them Let's, out of the gutters. Let's uh, keep it clean. Let's keep it clean. He looks so evil, too. It, like, it's the stubble. It's the stubble. I implore you to all look at a photo of Detective Kobayashi because he looks like he's gonna murder somebody rather than solve a murder. That he looked that you know that he that he looked like Detective Mori after that, just down on his luck, and then he just got tired of everything, and then he's just living alone at that point. Man, poor guy. Hundreds of episodes and he still hasn't shaved. Uh, jeez. All right, so. Uh, before we get into the movie, I do want to ask you guys if you had any hype or if you... Uh, do you hold this in fond regard, Colleen? What were you looking forward to for this movie? Definitely looking forward to it. I haven't seen this uh, in about eight or nine years, maybe. I actually bought the DVD about six years ago, and when I reached for it on my shelf today, uh, I realized that it was still unopened, so definitely have not even watched the copy I own until today. Um, so I was really looking forward to it. We, we know we love Kaido Kid on this show. I feel bad because I totally forgot Hattori was in this, so good to see him. So I was really excited for this one. Uh, Spencer, how do you feel about the last wizard of the century? Uh, that this movie is actually up in my top five Detective Conan movies, actually. That this movie, that this would be about my fourth time actually seeing this movie movie i remember my first time watching it was was just back whenever then that it was i think it was my sophomore year of college and then that my friends had found tactically acquiring websites back in the day for movies of anime and such so yeah so then that this is my so that's my history with this movie yeah shout out to tactically uh acquiring <laughs> movies 
I use that all the time. I use that phrase all the time. Yeah, so I've only seen this once before, so I was excited to rewatch it. I didn't have a ton of memories for it. I certainly didn't know that we'd be taking a Russian history lesson during it, but uh, <laughs> it was refreshing to uh, learn some more about Rasputin and company. So we'll get into that later on. Uh, the movie begins with Ayumi watching a film about a vampire. The vampire is about to approach a sleeping woman when her mother tells Ayumi that it's bedtime and she should take a bath. This scene then cuts to the police chasing after somebody. Ayumi then gets in bed and we see Kaito Kid fly onto her balcony. Unafraid, she walks outside to see him and asks if he's Dracula. Dude, does he really look like a vampire, Colleen? Well, no. I mean, like, have you? when was the last time you saw a vampire dressed like that? Yeah, he was too spiffy. Dra- like, I feel like a vampire's gonna wear black. And this is before, like, Twilight, so they weren't glittery, uh, you know, at this point either. Kid says that he was tired of flying and came to rest his wings before kissing Ayumi's hand. He's quite suave with the ladies. So Were smooth. you swooning, Colleen? Were you like, oh, I wish I was Ayumi right I was now? Like, I wish that was my hand. The police helicopter then spots him and Kid flies off once again. Uh, what'd you think about kaito kid's introduction here i mean yeah that it was just kind of just basically just uh, like that i was just like wow that he's just taking a break from just like resting from just uh, like resting and stuff and then that it, and then that you know that it's a very odd way to start off the movie but can't but but can we talk about the fact of that ayumi lives in like a condo suite up i was just uh, like looking at this and then i was just like her parents must be loaded if then that they are living up in a high rise like that. Yeah, but they don't have much expensive stuff in there in her apartment apparently. We learned that in the last uh, <laughs> anime episode. I was like, what's up with Ayumi's house being semi broken into? Well, not that kid broke into it this time, but like. <laughs> oh yeah. It's almost like maybe they moved because this looked like a different apartment building. <laughs> The next day at school, Ayumi tells the detective boys what happened, and Mitsuhiko says that kid is the Arsene Lupin of this era. This leads Hibera to ask what Conan will do since he's the Holmes of this era. Clearly agitated, Conan says he'll catch kids someday, and then he punts a soccer ball that leads us to the film's title card. You can tell Conan is really pissed off here, because it almost looked like he did a powered-up kick without powering it up, so you can tell he was like just PO'd at the thought of Kaito Kid coming uh back boys got skills yeah mad skills we then get our usual introduction montage showing off characters and the gadgets conan used uh they also mentioned that the skateboard has been improved so that it can function for 30 minutes at night if it's been charged during the day i find it real real goofy that they had to mention that because the skateboard's like barely mentioned in it, like used in this film it, like it's in like one or two scenes yeah like it wasn't like that important was, was anybody really gonna raise a stink if they saw him use it you know at night i think so it's like those crazy fans are like no technically the skateboard is not supposed to work at night so i feel like they dodged a bullet by explaining that to us yeah because the the fans especially from the subreddit would be like that they did not mention the skateboard that they needed to (laughs) (laughs) so i guess this is where we meet all the other uh detective and police force members so we go to the police headquarters and the cops are having a meeting on Kaito Kid and they reveal that he's committed 134 crimes to date in 12 different countries. So he's quite the uh, world traveler, Colleen. Absolutely. Are you impressed? Oh, for sure. Like, Kid can do anything and I'd be impressed. 
Um, but did you guys think that they were talking about the current Kaido kid, or do you think that they were referring to, like, because I guess they don't know when the identities changed? Like, do you think this is Kaido kid's entire career, or just the current uh, era, if you will? Hmm. I'm not sure. It probably depends on how far we are into his current run. They don't really, they haven't really mentioned how long he's been at it, you know, in Conan specifically. Right. You know, so it might have been both. I think you might be right there. Yeah, that Colleen, I think that you might be on to something because then that for that the current era of Kaido Kid to commit a hundred plus crimes, that that has seemed like a lot. Plus, he also got to balance going to school and such. Exactly. So I think then that, you know, that this might just be both of them just just combined just under that pseudonym. Yeah, are you really like stealing a jewel on a school night, Kaito? I don't think so. <laughs> You've got a test in the morning. In total, there have been 152 jewels stolen, and he has resulted in damages estimated at nearly 38 billion yen. Superintendent Chaki Shintaru says that he received an advance notice yesterday from Kid, and it reads the following. From the Lion of Dust to the Maiden of the Dawn, when a clock lacking a second hand carves out the twelfth symbol, from a multi-storied building with a shining sky, I shall call upon you and gratefully accept the memory's egg. The last wizard of the century, Kaito Kid. And then he has a little heart. Were you, were you swooning over the heart, Colleen? <laughs> sure, let's go with that. I was more swooning over the title, Last Wizard of the Century. Like, that's such a, um, I don't know, it's such an intriguing title for the film and just, like, to be called that. So, yeah, I was definitely into this Last word of, Wizard of the Century stuff. I'm excited to when we get to the last episode, Conan, so I can do the last podcast of the century. <laughs> it really will be of the century if we're still alive by yeah. then. Yeah, this will be passed on for generations. My great grand, well, I'm not going to have kids. What am I saying? Colleen's great grandson will, <laughs> will be hosting it. And somehow then that either that my great granddaughter or whatever would just be finding out that you know that their that you know that their great grandpappy was on this amazing podcast of history of anime. Oh yeah. And your great granddaughter will still be carrying that torch, invited every time to talk about, you know, movie one hundred with my great grandson. Right. The memories egg is a treasure that belongs to the Suzuki group. It's from the Romanov dynasty and is one of the Imperial Easter eggs. These are actual things, by the way, in case you weren't aware. I, I, I looked them up. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they're really fancy. Mm-hmm. These are Easter presents from the Russian Emperor to the Empress and were crafted by the jeweler named Fabergé. Uh, 50 of these eggs were made between 1885 and 1916, and this would be the 51st one discovered the Suzuki Group plans on exhibiting the egg at their Museum of Modern Art starting August 23rd at the Osaka Castle Park. Inspector Ginzo Nakamori, who's the usual guy that's chasing down Kid, so he's a familiar face here. He says that the first line of the riddle means that the crime will occur between the dusk of the final day of the Zodiac sign Leo and the beginning of the Virgo. They believe that the second line refers to the time of the crime, but they haven't figured it out yet. Meanwhile, the third line refers to the Osaka Castle. In summary, he'll appear between the evening of August 22nd and the sunrise of August 23rd at the main tower of the Osaka Castle in order to steal the memories egg. So, uh, 
Are you surprised that uh, Kaido Kid was going for an egg culling? Um, well, n- at this point, not yet. Uh, I mean, the Fabergé eggs tend to be really fancy and have elaborate art on them and whatever and gold and I guess sometimes jewels. So I thought at this point, okay, this has probably some sort of jewel attached to it. So obviously Kaido's going to be uh, interested in that. At the behest of the Suzuki family, the Osaka police are working with Mori Kagero on stopping the crime. Who, by the way, looked totally clueless while they were explaining all of this stuff. It was hilarious. Well, do you blame them? It's already getting dense, and like the case has barely begun. No, <laughs> don't blame it at all. No, I don't blame them at all. Chucky says that keeping the egg safe is their top priority, not capturing Kid which causes Nakamori to take the microphone from him and declare that the egg is secondary. He says the pride of the police is on the line, and he rallies everybody on the force to get really amped up about catching Kid. And Kogura is just sitting there, and he just in disbelief of what he's gotten himself into. We then see Kogura, Ron, and Conan meeting up with Sonico, who's excited to learn more about Kid. Uh, as, as you guys know, she's completely infatuated with him. She still is. She introduces them to her family, Secretary Nishina Masato, who's driving them in a limousine today. I thought this guy was, like, super fishy from the very first time I saw him. I was so certain he was, like, going to be a criminal. Because I don't remember him appearing, like, again. And, like, he just, it seems like a a family secretary would pop up, like, occasionally. So I was like, oh, this guy was designed to be the criminal. And just get fired later. She says Nishina has traveled worldwide and is, in, is fluent in English, French, and German. Which he does not use at all, at all in this movie. No. I, I thought that was going to be important. I thought, like, oh, he's going to use his master of the different tongues, but no, never does. Well, same here. So when they were explaining Kid's illustrious career, they were like, oh, Kid has been in countries all over the world, including England, France, and Germany. And then they mentioned this guy speaking those languages. I'm like, okay, is there meant to be a connection here? But absolutely not. Yeah, it's it's always difficult discerning what details are important or not uh, in the plot and what wind up just being like a bunch of extra details we don't really need. And usually you don't find out what like is really important until the very end of the movie or the show. So it's quite complicated Like yeah. when you're trying to like solve it in your head you're making all these connections that don't really lead into anything oh yeah because then that it was clearly set up to where that this guy might have been a red herring at that this point in the film film but then that you know that i completely agree with with both of you that that this guy just seemed utterly useless at at this point hey man it's rough being a secretary (laughs) Back at Agassiz's house, the rest of the detective boys are complaining that Conan got to go to Osaka by himself. Ayumi wants to meet Kit again, and Mitsuhiko remarks that going off on his own is Conan's specialty, which is true. Agasa gives the kids some watermelon and says they can only eat it after solving his quiz, because what would the world come to if children were brought up having everything handed to them? Agasa's really just like big boomer energy, huh? <laughs> Welcome to 2020. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Agasa asks the kids, he says, I have many grandchildren. How old are they? Genta's shocked that Agasa has grandkids and has to be reminded that it's a quiz. This is perfect timing after the episode we just reviewed, in which Agasa's all like, I want grandkids, just like you guys. I know. 
Ayumi says that they can't solve it without Conan, and Genta bemoans that they'll never get to eat the watermelon. Hybera then nonchalantly answers zero years old as they're still eggs. By using some Japanese magic, Hybera explains that it's an eagle pun. Agasa says that it's correct, and everybody's impressed at how smart Hybera is. Even Colleen? Except maybe? Colleen. <laughs> I'm like, huh? eh, like, this is one of those, like, let's throw Hybera bone here type of things for me. Because Conan's not around, so they're like, well, we need someone smart to solve the quiz. I think they threw her an egg. Oh, bone. yes. <laughs> Ooh. After saying Hybera is a member of the Detective Boys, the kids all dig in. Meanwhile, Hybera wonders how the other egg, egg is doing, and says she'll be keeping a close eye on Shinichi's abilities. So, uh, Spencer, I have to ask, what do you think about Hybera? Because uh, we have a salty little <laughs> Sally here in Colleen, <laughs> who's uh, rather jealous of her fictional depiction. Uh, so what do okay. you think about High Bear? And do you agree with my hypothesis that Colleen sees too much of herself in High Bear? Okay, then. That, as we all know, that I was responsible about whenever it was High Bear's introduction for a meme I made on Twitter. It was a beautiful meme. But honestly, that at first, whenever that I first got introduced to the character, I was just like that she is going to be a heel. She's going to turn instantly but then as i just started to just kind of like warm up to her more but i am still a shinichi ran uh shipper shipper type but i but i but i enjoy her presence because as she sort of like acts as a foil to conan conan and just kind of and she kind of keeps him in check mostly sometimes that when now that whenever that he's just too stubborn or else bullheaded up in up in just some cases how long did it take you to warm up to her i uh, think that it was a uh, after that that one episode that y'all haven't got got gotten to to where then that she actually had took the drug or else drank some alcohol or something to basically go back to her older self and then that she had got shot at and then she had to escape down a chimney ah okay. chimney and then I had had like mad props for her for trying to do everything, but it was a foolish idea for her to do that to me. Well, you know, I think your earlier hypothesis about uh, you still being a Shinran shipper works towards my theory of Colleen being high bearer, because I don't feel like Colleen would uh, sweep Shinichi off his feet either. <laughs> no, of course I wouldn't. <laughs> He's too good for me. What? <laughs> no. No, <laughs> I mean thanks, that. Thanks, Spencer. You know, <laughs> Super convincing. I just think that I uh, just think that Ron might be too good for me, or else I might just be a Shinichi to her. Who knows? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, Ron okay. just thinks Shinichi's enough, everywhere. Like anybody. Enough just... about our uh, our inferiority complex to fictional characters. Kegger and the others arrive at the museum, which is heavily patrolled by police officers. Sonika is about to gush about Kid when Hattori Haji and Kazuha appear. Haji says that even the strongest guards and the hardiest safes are penetrated by Kid's sham magic tricks and that he's a true master of disguise. He says that Kudo has come against a true pain-in-the-neck opponent this time. And Ron asks why Hattori always calls Conan Kudo. Tori says that Conan thinks a lot like Kudo, so he accidentally calls him that. Kazuha then says that Hattori is a real moron as he's been talking about meeting up with Kudo all day and suggests <laughs> that he gets his head checked at the hospital. 
Oh, this is so good. Gotta love Heiji for Oh, this. yeah. That this gag is always just so hilarious each time that they meet up, meet up, and then it's just like, oh, my God, you're supposed to be Detective of the West, and you're still trying to blow this man's cover. Why? I But I legit think that Heiji, 50% of the time, it's on accident, and the other 50%, like, he's just trying to push kudos buttons. Very true. This is the first time that Sonika is meeting Hattori, and she says that he's pretty hot. Everon tells her to keep her hands off. Haiji, since Kazuha is his childhood friend, and while they argue a lot, they are pretty close. Sonika says that's obvious, and it is just like Ron and Shinichi. The group goes up to the chairman's office, and they meet Sonika's dad, Shiro. Sonika introduces her father to Hattori, and he's glad to have another detective on the case. Shiro then introduces Sergei Ovichinikov from the Russian embassy, an art dealer named Inui Shuichi, and then Hoshi Siren, a researcher of the Romanov dynasty, and freelance filmmaker Sagawa Ryu, who's filming The Egg for them. What do you guys think about all these uh, new characters that are introduced? Did any of them strike you as immediately suspicious, Colleen? Uh, I thought they were actually a pretty interesting group of people. Uh, sometimes we get like this cast of characters, maybe more so in the shows, where they're all either like the same or they're not memorable at all but these people like, I actually genuinely was interested in each and every one of them um, for different reasons like some I immediately thought like the art dealer was a sleaze bag so um, but others like um, well the fil- filmmaker wasn't too great either but uh, the person who I was probably most suspicious of at this point uh, and then later on another one comes in is uh, Seiron, so the uh, the the Romanov dynasty researcher. Yeah, she's a woman, so you were immediately suspicious, huh? Yeah, that's that's you actually the reason. Works. That is exactly it. I applied your uh, reasoning skills here, Tyler, and thought, yeah, it's the woman. Yeah, and she introduces herself using Chinese, so uh, that was interesting. We don't really see many Chinese characters in uh, Detective Conan. Yeah, uh, Spencer, what what do you think about these? new introductions all of them just seem shifty af like even though that i can relate to all of them which is a first for me because mostly then that you normally have that you're a-hole of just at the usual suspects and then that you have the uh i want to say this that the sissy or else the uh sensitive one but but that the filmmaker he i just that he was my least favorite because that he just re- that he just reminded me of just some kind of kind of knockoff of like Michael Bay. But I would say as for suspicions, it would be the uh, Russian ambassador. I mean, sorry about that, that the Russian ambassador and then that the re- and uh, then that the researcher lady for just my initial suspicions. The art dealer offers to buy the egg for 800 million yen. While the Russian says it's his country's property and asks him to donate it to their museum instead. Sakawa remarks that if they argue like this, then filming them will be more interesting than the egg. The researcher says she wants the egg, but can't afford 800 million. And the filmmaker agrees, saying he could only scrape up about 200 million if he sold everything he has. Kenan realizes everybody's after the egg rather than just kid. And Shira tells them all to return at a later date to talk about the egg. As they leave, the secretary enters, carrying the egg in a box. Sagara is visibly shocked seeing him. This was quite the suspicious 
seeing here, Colleen. I can definitely see why you guys were a bit cautious about him because uh, I was like, man, something's up here. This was a very strange reaction. Yeah, but it goes back to your earlier point of like, okay, which details are going to be interesting or not interesting, but important to the plot, which ones are meant to set us off a little bit. So this one was definitely like, okay, that's a little odd. I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind, but I don't think it's part of the plot. And, you know, it turns out it wasn't really, I mean, it's kind of just like a side piece. Yeah, then that my thing is that I was just like looking at that they just had this egg and just the random crate with just a bow on it and i'm like <laughs> any of these people could be kid right now and just yoink take it but yeah then that, as far as in just that the filmmaker getting shocked i was just like okay something's up with this guy ron is excited to see the egg and sonica remarks that you can't tell it's valuable from just its appearance when she was a child she used to play with it as she thought it was a toy they open the box to see the green egg, and Nishino goes to fetch drinks for everybody. Hattori is underwhelmed, and Kona mentions that it opens up. Shira lifts the top to reveal a model of Emperor Nicholas II and his family inside made out of gold. Shira explains that if you put the key inside, the family rises, and the Emperor reads a book. Shira has all of the design documents belonging to Fabergé, and that helped authenticate the egg earlier. In Russian, the egg's name is which means memories. Conan asks why reading a book would be considered memories, and Kegura says that reading a book to his children is the memory. Conan finds it odd that it just has glass inside of, instead of jewels on the lid, but Shira explains that the 51st egg was produced while Russia was going undergoing an economic crisis. So basically the royal family were some cheap... <laughs> they were having some trouble at the time. I don't believe... Yeah, <laughs> that they were up in a depression... That don't say that, that they are royalty. They caused the depression. But was it worth getting killed over? Yes. I mean... It, yeah, it was. Huh? <laughs> oh, dear. Nani? Hattori says that he finds kids notice strange, as he doesn't see why he'd refer to the Osaka castle as shining. Kazuya calls him a dummy and says the castle is called the Light of Osaka ever since Toyotomi Hideyoshi constructed the castle, which laid the foundation for Osaka's development. Chaki and Nakamura then arrive, and they say that they have no doubt that Kid will arrive at the castle's main tower. However, they don't know what he means by when a clock lacking a second hand carves out the second se- uh, the twelfth symbol. Kazuya suggests it's the twelfth symbol of the Japanese alphabet, which is she, and they believe that it could mean four o'clock, but that's deemed too simple. Kagura then says he's figured it out, and it refers to the English alphabet's L, which would be three o'clock when made with watch hands. Shira is impressed, and the police agree that 3 a.m. works. And, like always, Kegger is wrong. I was not convinced at all. I don't know about you guys. No. I wasn't convinced. Kegger is never right here. <laughs> the next day, the group is visiting a shrine, and Ron says that she received excellent luck, and that she'll be reunited with her love. Sanake says that must mean Shinichi will show up, and Kazuha wants to meet him. This entertains Conan as he's standing right there. And then Haji tells Kazuha to show Sonika and Ron around as he's going to show Osaka to Conan. Ron remarks that Conan and Haji get along strangely well. And Sonika suggests that they go find some hot guys that will buy them a meal. And they go to the Hikake Bridge. Uh, what do you think about Sonika's plan, Colleen? <laughs> I was like, more power to her if she can manage to pull that off, I guess. Like, I don't know. If this is how Sonika 
lives her life and plans to live it for the rest of her life in the future um i don't know maybe she should just like get some self-respect and you know do things on her own what you wouldn't what do you wouldn't you prefer to somebody to buy you your meal than to pay for it yourself um not necessarily it depends on the situation i feel like this is jealousy talking spencer i believe that she hasn't been offered enough meals by men so she's jealous of sonica's plan I mean that whenever I mean that whenever that me and my girl goes out on dates, well, scratch that used to before that the virus hit hit that we will always either I will either pay for it, she will pay for it, or else that we split it fifty fifty. But Sonico just reminds me of like these TikTok girls that you always see just flaunting just at their rich, rich just fortunes and stuff. And then that's how that she's getting me into swoo over. Sonico would be a TikTok girl. I dig the TikTok girls. Right. You'd buy the meals, Tyler? I'd buy Sonica a meal. Yeah, Sonica's great. Definitely. She deserves all the free meals. That's what I'm saying. Haiji senses that Conan is still unsure about what the 12 symbol is and Conan confirms that. If the L had been from the Russian alphabet, it would have made sense, but in that alphabet, it's K instead. Conan is also bugged by Kid calling him the last wizard of the century, as he's never titled himself that before, and he usually goes after jewels, so why is he after an egg? Haji asks Conan what fortune he got, so he pulls it out. Conan receives slightly good luck, but under travel it says your secret will be exposed. Give it up. Conan thinks that might be about Ron discovering his secret, but dismisses it before Haji says that the fortunes here often turn out to be true. So this kicks off a a little storyline here of Ron being suspicious once again, and we've already gone through this a few times in the anime, and this obviously isn't the last time that it'll be brought up that she has suspicions. What do you think about it redoing this storyline again colleen did you dig it did you think it was a bit too much too soon or how how did you were you feeling about it i didn't mind it um any sort of well we haven't seen ron in a little while in the series so i feel like i've missed her a little bit and i don't really mind them reusing this old uh plot point like they keep you know doing sleeping kogoro so (laughs) repetition is like the strong suit of this anime um and what i like i guess is that they change it up a little bit every time so the ending for this one like it was very close like uh, we'll get to it at that point but i i didn't mind them uh, redoing it what about you spencer yeah that this uh trope of basically uh basically that ron is basically still trying you know that she now that she is owned at the scent scent so just like ever so close until it's just taken away by some uh mo- by just some MacGuffin that Conan or else somebody just bails them out of this. So it is kind of like a huge game of Monopoly that Shinichi is always playing whenever that these situations kind of kind kind of sort of happen that you are only allowed so so many get out of jail free cards before you actually get caught. Were you getting tired of it, Tyler? Ah, uh, no, not really. I didn't think this was the strongest case she had for him. Like, I felt like she caught him slipping a lot more previous times, so I thought her... I just wish they did a, a slightly better job of him doing stuff that raised her suspicions. I don't really feel like he did a lot in the episode. Like, I guess it kicks off with uh, uh, Hi- Hattori saying kudo, 
but like that happens all the time. That's not really, that doesn't <laughs> kick her off all the time. So it just seemed a bit odd to me that like she got super suspicious at that point when she's around him all the time and he does like similar he just didn't act as carelessly as i wish he did for her to get that suspicious that's my only gripe police arrive and inform shiro that they'll take the replica of the egg to the exhibition room nakamori's goal is to make sure that kid doesn't know where the object is actually placed and kegger asks where it really is however nakamori refuses to tell him and says that the only people that know are him and his two subordinates he then pulls on each of their faces to make sure they aren't Kaito Kid in disguise. And Kagura does the same to Nakamori. The, the two grown men then get into this face-pulling contest, which is just hilarious. And the camera zooms out to see a dove with a microphone on it outside of the open window. <laughs> There's so much in this scene to unpack. Like, first of all, Tweedledee and Tweedledum over here pulling on their faces. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, like, you've got a spy dove listening in on the conversation. It's really cool. It is. Right? Oh, man. That, yeah, that, just as Colleen said, that this scene does have a lot of stuff to like to just uh, like uh, unpack here. Because that not that this is the first time that where we see Nakamori actually start the whole face-pulling gag? It might be. I'm not 100% sure. But it's definitely something that's prevalent going forward. And it's a really good gag. <laughs> Later that night, a woman named Kusaka Natsumi arrives with her butler and asks to meet with the Suzuki chairman about the egg. However, his secretary says Shiro is out and is willing to relay a message. She says that the photograph of the egg is wrong and not like the drawing that her great-grandfather named Kichi left behind. Meanwhile, Haji checks his watch and says that at 7.20, the clock hands will look like the Japanese letter he. Kenan remembers the line from the Lion of Dust to the Maiden of the Dawn and says that he is the 12th symbol. Then tells Tori that the time isn't 3 a.m. that kid will appear, but rather 7.20. And uh, did you enjoy that Japanese magic explanation, Colleen? Oh, for sure. Especially because it was literally happening as they were deciphering it. They're like, oh, it's 7.20 now. Yeah, very convenient. Kenan then uses a skateboard to go to Osaka Castle at night. So that's why you needed to know. <laughs> That he had it supercharged. Yes, good thing that was explained to us early on, or else everybody would have had a conniption. Mm-hmm. Kenan tells Tori to keep an eye on the egg. After feeling a raindrop on his face, Haji yells at Kenan to wait, as the multi-storied building with a shining sky isn't the main tower of Osaka Castle, but rather the Suten Haku Tower, which has a shining weather forecast indicators at the top of it. So he figured, I, I like these little hints that set them off. It's always the most random things, like uh, Hattori looking at his watch, and now it's a raindrop falling on him, and he's like, oh yeah, weather <laughs> forecast indicators. And this is what makes them the great detectives of the East and the West, apparently. Mm-hmm. Does that happen to you in the South, Fencer? Like, were you <laughs> cooking barbecue, and then you smelled the smoke, and you had some grand deduction? Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of happens to me often actually because then that i kind of sometimes get this thing to where i can finish somebody else's sentence with just at the exact word that they was about to say but then again i guess that that just comes from just one of the one of one of the traits of having of having a speech impediment because i guess that i had like i had like read about that somewhere to where then that sometimes a stutterer can actually finish up somebody's sentences on impulse. And 
And then I just do that by accident sometimes. And then people are like, yeah, exactly. Thank you for finishing my sentence. I'm like, you're welcome, I guess. So you have that skill. You have half photographic memory. What what can't Spencer do, Colin? Multi-talented. I might be Kudo. I, mean, I don't know. You might be Kaido Kid. <laughs> no, 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 no. I haven't mastered magic yet. That's something Kaido Kid would say. No, no, no. Not me. Colleen is the imposter. <laughs> She is acting kind of sus. I must agree. Yes, sus. We then see Kid on top of the tower retrieving his dove. He then hits a button that causes fireworks to go off at Osaka Castle, which catches the eye of Kogura and Shiro at a restaurant. The girls also see it in a city, and Kazuha finds it odd, as there weren't supposed to be fireworks today. The police are alerted, but Nakamori says that they still have seven hours until Kid arrives, and says that Kid would never expect the egg to be in a warehouse-like setting. Conan asks where the tower is, and Haji points it out, although there's no fireworks there. Conan says the fireworks were a distraction to get everybody's attention on the castle instead, and Haji says they can't make it in time, and Conan asks where the secretary, where the egg is. They learn that Nakamori took it, and that's when Kid hits another button to kill all the power in Osaka. This whole city just loses power. And uh, completely unaware, Shiro and Kogura are like, man, it's so nice to be drinking under the moonlight. This rules. We love this atmosphere. They're so calm about Mm. it. It was awesome. Like, oh, it's so great. Chin chin or whatever. But I found, like, this was one of the, like, up to date, I guess, uh, one of the more elaborate um, shows or tricks that Kid has pulled off. Like, he cut off the power in the entire city. And it's just like a mad scale of what magicians do, right? Like they try and get your attention onto something else so they can do this other thing in the corner. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 times, a thousand times more than what you would see on stage. Right. Nakamori tells his subordinates not to worry and to turn on the power generator. That's going to figure something out and speeds off on a skateboard. Kid is looking through binoculars at what places are using power generators and it's mostly just hospitals and stuff like that. He then spots the location the egg is being held in, because it stands out compared to everything else. It's just this random building. Conan speeds through the streets, which are jam-packed with traffic due to the lights being down. Conan sees Kid flying through the sky, and he reaches a dead end before Haiji arrives on his motorcycle and tells him to hop on. Now, Conan, if you had access to a motorcycle this whole time, why didn't you just go on that the, like to begin with? Why'd you speed off? <laughs> Like, this Conan, you're so dumb. Well, weren't you listening to Mitsuhiko's thing before? Like, Conan is the master of going off on his own. That's true. That is true. Conan and Hattori arrive at the building, and Conan tells Hattori to stay outside as he runs in, once again going off alone. Conan runs up a series of steps, but when he arrives, all three of the policemen are knocked out, and Kid is standing there. Kid shoots a smoke grenade. Which is really like a card. A smoke card? I don't know. Uh, And then he flies off. Conan repels down the side of the building with a rope and hops on Hattori's bike to give chase. They notice that Kid is descending near Osaka Bay when Hattori falls off his bike trying to avoid a large truck. And poor Hattori, man. He takes a beating every single appearance he makes. I was just about to say that. He's the most injured character in this entire series. Mm -hmm. But like Conan really impresses here. His hand-eye coordination. He's able to, like, jump off the motorcycle and land on his skateboard, so he never hits the ground. It's ridiculous how he manages to get out of that unscathed, while poor Hygie's right. over there all beat up. Right? 
Hattori tells Conan to follow Kid while some passersby call an ambulance for Hattori. As Kid is descending, we see a shadowy figure point a rifle towards him. We see, I was not expecting this. This was really quite the, like, oh, what the hell? There's a dude with a gun suddenly. What do you think about this, Spencer? Seeing this guy just pop up and he's about to cap our boy. I would just like, okay, so Conan is about to go up and then all of a sudden I'm like, laser sight on Kid? What in the world? Then I was like, oh, I was just as shocked as you, Tyler. Like, oh, crap. Were you worried about your boy, Colleen? Absolutely. So the play-by-play of this was uh, my mouth like burst open, and then it closed almost immediately after being like, ah, he'll be fine. Like I had so much confidence in him, but it's just like it's shocking when you first see it because uh, it's not something that kid um, you know goes through most of the time. Yeah, we see Kid in the person's scope, and he gets hit with a bullet. Conan hears the casing drop and notices the shooter, but continues chasing Kid. He finds an injured dove, a broken monocle, and the undamaged egg on the ground. He believes that Kid got shot and fell into the sea. The police then spent the night searching for him, but couldn't figure out if Kid had survived or not. So Colleen already answered that she thought he was fine. But, uh, Spencer, did you think maybe, uh... Kid was a, uh, you know, not dead, obviously, because we know he obviously appears in future stuff. But were you worried about uh, if he got banged up a bit? I was actually pretty worried for the fact that if that kid had got banged up and stuff, because that we, that I think that this is the first time that Conan fans actually see Kaido Kid is actually taking down a peg, peg just by not that like not a just just by like him getting shot shot and then that like not and then like not only that but like one of his uh magic doves actually got injured and then he just basically abandoned the treasure and plus that his dove so i really felt for kid here the exhibition the next day was canceled as the suzuki family wanted to get the egg examined in tokyo to see if it had been damaged or not Natsumi is aboard the yacht transporting the egg and says her great-grandfather worked as a craftsman in Fabergé's workshop. It was there that he married a Russian woman and the two then returned to Japan after the Russian Revolution. Natsumi was raised by her grandmother who recently passed away and found an old torn diagram that her great-grandfather drew that bears resemblance to the 51st egg. This seemed like way too much detail for like no reason at first. Like Obviously it all comes back to play later. But I was like, why are you giving us your whole family life story, girl? <laughs> well, it's kind of at this point that, because I, I had mentioned that I was um, suspicious of Seiron, but I was a little bit sus- suspicious of Natsumi at this point as well because of sort of her introduction and the way that, like, I guess her character was fitting into the story. I'm like, okay, there's some sort of, like, family background drama here that we might draw from. So, yeah. I kind of was going to Natsumi now. Natsumi and Saron. What do you think about Natsumi, Spencer? I can actually agree with Colleen here and say then that my suspicions were just about the same. Because then that you have Natsumi just showing up, just dropping all of this uh, family history, history and then like lore about the egg, that that would make you seem pretty sus. And then that also Saron to, to even though that we haven't seen anything, but it's just, you know... You know, just both of them were on my radar. I thought she was real pretty. <laughs> she was pretty, especially those gray eyes. Ooh, very important. And we'll get to it. Shiro says that it's certainly the egg, but there are gems in the sketch. Kogar wonders if the gems were removed. 
and Kevin wonders if there are two eggs. Kevin says the two outlines don't match up exactly, and that it might have been one large piece of paper with two eggs drawn on it, rather than one. Kevin then looks at the bottom of the egg and sees a mirror that comes off after he touches it. Ron and Kegu are mortified, but Sonica explains that it was made to come off easily. Kevin spots it projecting onto his hand, and he asks for the lights to be turned off. He then uses his watched flashlight and puts it into the mirror, which then reflects an image of a castle. Art Diller says that it's a magic mirror, the same type that Christians secretly prayed to in Japan. Natsumi's butler says the castle being shown is in Yokosuka, and Ron recognizes it from television commercials. Natsumi says that her great-grandfather Kichi built it, and her grandmother had been managing the Kusaka family castle. So, uh, that's quite the coincidence. Yeah. It's her castle. It happens to be my mm-hmm. family's castle. Kagura believes that Natsumi's great-grandfather returned to Japan after the Russian Revolution and brought the two eggs with him. He says that it's likely that he sold some of the gems that had been embedded in the second egg and then built the castle, hiding the egg somewhere within it. He then left a message on the other egg, relaying a hint to where the other one is. Natsumi then shows Kagura an old key that she found with a diagram. He's certain that it's the key to finding the other egg. The art dealer says that if the other egg is found, it might be worth more than 1.5 billion yen. I like this guy just making up random numbers. He's like, 1 billion. No, 1.5 billion. <laughs> oh, maybe even 2 billion. He's a professional. He knows. Right. Mori is then asked by Natsumi to accompany her to the castle, and he agrees. And that's when all the other people interested in the egg ask to come along, and they're... she's like, yeah, come on. It's not like if one of you guys would kill somebody. Come on. Yeah, I'm a little naive, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Ron bandages the injured dove and notes that the bleeding has stopped and that it will be able to fly again once it's healed. She says that Tori got away with just a light sprain as well. She wonders if Kid died, but Conan doubts that he would be dispatched so easily and wonders if Kid is already on the boat. So this is when I got suspicious of everybody. <laughs> right. I'm so glad that no right. doves were harmed in the making of this movie. Right. The cameraman then knocks on the door. He films Ron's expression as she answers and walks off. And she's just like, what a weirdo. <laughs> Sonico, Natsume, and the secretary Nishino then enter Ron's room. But the dove begins to freak out when it, she- when it sees Nishino. Did you, did you guys feel like it was freaking out? Because it, it certainly just started like going a bit crazy. Did it not? Uh, I kind of... Felt like it was freaking out, which then that I actually got this wrong later on. But I had thought that it was freaking out because that I because that I was thinking that that Nishina was actually kid, and then that you know that the bird was freaking out because it had saw because that it recognized its owner. But but you know that we see how that plays out. But see, I that, went the opposite direction. I thought it was freaking out because Nishino shot it. So we both uh, thought maybe he was (laughs) the shooter. I went the opposite direction from that as well, because I thought for a split second that kid might have been the dove. (laughs) Well, there's that Canadian humor. Yeah. (laughs) Well, then uh, he is a magician, so I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, come on, look. Okay, kid gets shot, and all that remains is a dove, a broken monocle, and the egg. Maybe he's the egg. <laughs> Maybe you're on to something, Colleen. Good eye. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I dropped that uh, 
I dropped that guess re- real quick. <laughs> the secretary runs off and Sonica believes that he got flustered being in a room alone with three beautiful women. Sonica says she forgot to invite the researcher Siren and pulls Conan along to go fetch her. They arrive at her room and Conan notices that she has a picture with Gregory written on the back of it. Sonico asks if the picture is of her boyfriend and she turns it down without answering. Sonico complains that everybody else has a man and she'll have to get Kid once once in for all, which causes Conan to think that if Kid was that easy, then the police wouldn't have to work so hard. <laughs> oh, this is a great <laughs> remark by Conan. Those jamps get me every time. We learned that Natsumi has lived in Paris for the past seven years, and she mentions a Japanese phrase that she has been unable to recall the meaning of for many years. She says, Barushe Niku Karabeka, and believes it has something to do with whether someone named Barush had bought meat or not. Okay. And this was a very memorable phrase in her past. Right. Kona then notices that Natsumi has gray eyes, and she says that her mother and grandmother's eyes were the same. Ron points out that Siren's eyes are also gray, and Sonic is like, huh, I guess Chinese people have gray eyes as well. And I was like, what are you talking about? Great Detective Sonico. Mm-hmm. And this winds up being a bigger hint than, uh, I guess I took it for at the time. I did find it odd, because I'd never seen a Chinese person with gray eyes. This winds up being more important, so. Yeah, exactly. But it's mm-hmm. almost like eerily uh weird like how they said that in sequence like oh natsumi has gray eyes siren has gray eyes or, like are you supposed to, like at this point are we supposed to think that they're somehow related because everybody in this family happens to have gray eyes then if that's the vibes that i got from it colleen i would just like are they sisters question mark right and also, it's like anime, and anime is very liberal with hair colors and eye colors and stuff. So you're kind of like, does it really matter? Yeah. You're like, I guess Chinese people can have gray eyes. I mean, it's anime after all. Although I guess Conan doesn't really have a bunch of like pink-haired people or anything. They keep it pretty down to earth. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess blonde it doesn't hair really apply is like here. really rare. Well, rare. It's more like, oh, look, that person has blonde hair. Yeah. But like even Conan yeah. has blue eyes. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, eye color a little goofy, but uh, everything else, they stay pretty. It's not like there's purple-haired people. It's not like Naruto or anything. Mm-hmm. Right. You're seeing every color under the sun. Ron then asks how Siren's name is written and wonders if it means Blue Orchid. Siren says that is how her name is pronounced that way in Japan, but in China it's pronounced King Lon. She then says the side part is the king, while Ron becomes Lon. She then teaches Ron that her Chinese name would be Mali Lan, and Sonico would be Lingmu Yanzi. Then I love how Sonico like tries to repeat it. Right. Siren and Natsumi reveal that they were born on May fifth and May third, respectively. And Conan excitedly says that his birthday is in between theirs, not really thinking that he should not have the same birthday as Shinichi. <laughs> so I guess this is the moment where he screws up pretty bad. Maybe my gripe earlier was unfounded. So it's Ron also the moment that we realize the relevance of this scene. Yeah, uh, this shocks mm-hmm. Ron as May 4th is Shinichi's birthday. She can't believe it's a coincidence, and she w- wonders if Conan is actually Shinichi, but then she tries to dismiss the thought as silly and calls herself a fool for thinking about Shinichi all the time. Later that evening, Siren and Natsumi join the photographer, Shiro, and Kogoro at a table. Kogoro winds up ogling Siren's legs to an embarrassing degree. He's like, oh my god. 
Oh, so hot. <laughs> it's so bad. And she just totally ignores him, and she notices a pendant that the photographer is wearing. He says that she has a keen eye for being a Romanov researcher and lets her take a look at it. The ring has Maria inscribed on it, which means it was made for Nicholas II's third daughter. She asks where he got it from, but he walks back to his room instead. Siren isn't sure it's real without it being examined by an expert, and Shara tells his secretary that his ballpoint pen is about to fall out of his pocket. As the photographer walks away, we see the Russian embassy member, the butler, and the art dealer all giving him dirty looks. He's not a liked guy here. No, so I guess uh, what becomes of him, like, nobody really cares. Right. Yeah, that he did come off as a rather of a dickweed up in this part. Part just like, just like, oh, look what I got. I got a ring now. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Later that night, we see the photographer Sagawa get shot by the same gun that targeted Kid before. Secretary discovers his body and wakes up Kogoro to report the death. I don't know how Kogoro, like, fell asleep within the 30 minutes that, like, this happened. It didn't seem like a ton of time had passed. <laughs> they find his room a mess and that his belongings have been ransacked. Kogoro notices the bullet went through his right eye, which is the same thing that happened to Kid. Kagura yells at Conan for being in the crime scene and says that only 30 minutes have passed since the time of death. He then notices that the ring pendant is gone and tells Sonica's father that it's a homicide. Yeah, what'd you think about our first murder? It took a while. Yeah, that this was a shocking first murder. Like, that the room was, like, ran, was just ransacked. That dude had got shot in the head point blank and I'm like, holy crap, who, who, not a who done it? <laughs> Like, wow. What'd you think, Colleen? I think I was suspecting uh, Saron more now. Like, I, um, with the whole, like, you know, how she was interested in the ring he was wearing thing. Like, that's kind of, that kind of would just, like, tip the scale for me back to Saron. Um, but yeah, like, otherwise, I mean, it's interesting how, like, there were a few, in- like, important details with the feathers. Like, that comes back later on. So it's like, it was one of those cases, one of those murders where you're like, okay, I, there's all these clues. I just don't know what they will amount to, but I think that they ended up using them very well. Like it was beautifully um, captured in the rest of the story. Inspector Megary then arrives on a helicopter with Takagi and Shiratori, who came back early from his vacation. He was said he was bored on vacation. What a weirdo, huh? That's Shiratori for you. Mm-hmm. Megari asks Kogoro why a case pops up everywhere he goes, and Kogoro says that it's the will of the gods. Then Sheratori asks if perhaps Kogoro is a death god. Shinigami. Shinigami. Takagi remarks that Sheratori can be rough, and Kogoro notices a bandage on Takagi's face. It's right by his right side. And Takagi explains that he got into a scuffle with a culprit yesterday. So, I was so close to being right here. I thought Takagi was kid. I was like, ah, so he's like trying to keep part of his face bandaged up. That was hurt from the bullet. And I'm like, ah, that's or him falling. So it's like, ah, I got this all figured out. <laughs> I was the same way. I was just like so proud of myself because I'm usually pretty bad at trying to pick out if it's a Kaido kid thing, like which one Kaido could be disguised at. And, and when I saw the bandage, I'm like, oh, okay. And, there's a future episode where Kid 
um, does disguise himself as uh, Takagi as well. So I'm like, oh, perfect. So he's done this before, like, where, like, in the movie it would be the before. But anyways, I was, like, same with you, Tyler. I was just like, oh, for sure, Takagi is Kaido Kid. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Spencer, did you have any, uh, like, guesses of who Kaido Kid was? Did you think he was on the ship? I... I think that he was owned at the ship and then at at this point in the film that it was still basically I was still going uh, with that the secretary guy. But since then that we had like she she Ratorian and Takagi that I had just knew that I knew Takagi wasn't kid because because he's just so honest. So I didn't so that I did not suspect him at all. Even even though he did have that band-aid above his uh, right eye. Kirger explains the situation to Megary, saying it was a robbery murder for the ring. However, Conan says there was no reason to go through the room and slash the pillows if all they wanted was the ring. A ballpoint pen is then found. This is M. Nishino, which is the secretary's. He's questioned about it and doesn't know how it ended up there as he never entered the room. Nishida says he took a shower at 7.10 and was resting until the meal was ready. He then went to inform everybody when he noticed Sagawa was dead. Kona remarks that whoever killed Sagawa likely shot Kid as well. Takagi then runs in and tells Megari that all the victims' videotapes are missing. Kona then runs off and Ron says she'll fetch him. And Shiratori frightens Ron by putting his hand on her. And he says that there might be a culprit with a gun prowling around so she shouldn't be by herself. He says he'll bring back Conan for her and has her return to the room. Hindsight being 2020, you're kind of like, oh, that was kind of suspicious. But, like, back then, like, I mean, spoiler, Shiratori winds up being kind of kid. But, mm-hmm. uh, like, in that moment, you're just like, oh, well, Shiratori's awkward. And, of course, he Creepy. weirdly put his hand on her. Right? Because he's all, because he, he was putting that, well, I don't think we've seen it yet. But he puts the moves on, uh, Saito. No, but doesn't he try to marry her? Saito. No, that that is Takagi with Saito. No, no, no. no. I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about Detective Kobayashi, the guy with the beard. Isn't there a case? (laughs) No, there's a case. He, I swear to God, he proposes to her. Oh, yeah. There's a whole marriage episode. Yeah. 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 Oh, crap. Because there was a love rivalry at first. Yeah, yeah, then uh, you are absolutely right that there was a love rivalry at first. Yeah, yeah, so that he did try to put the moves on Saito. Yeah, so this is before that, but it's hard to, when the timeline, when there's been so much, it's hard to, (laughs) Right. So you you know, like, future knowledge, and it kind of just blends in with the character, so I was like, well, he is kind of creepy, so I was like, yeah, maybe he did it. Um, so maybe that's just him. Uh, were you, were your alarm, were any of your guys' uh, alarms raised by this interaction with Roniad? Mine were, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I was like, why is he being all weird? Because Shiratori, you know, he's a little awkward or whatnot, but he's never like this kind of creepy or like he doesn't really come off as like a aggressive type. And then like a little later on in the scene in this exact scene where we see what conan's doing i'm like okay maybe he's covering for conan then so i was like mixed feelings at this point about shiratori same because then that that did kind of seem rather odd for him to kind of like kind of just like stand in in at the hallway and then that and then that the camera pans back to conan using that the yacht phone and i'm like 
if that this was the real Shiratori, that he would be up at the booth asking Conan, who are you calling? But I did kind of find that kind of strange. More just weirder behavior than usual from him. Conan uses one of the yacht's fin to contact Gasa and tells him to investigate a sniper that shoots the right eye. Gasa tells Shinichi to call him back in 10 minutes, and Conan suddenly feels as if he's being watched. Agasa then finds the sniper, who's called Scorpion. However, information is scarce, as the age and gender are not known. I love how Agasa turns into Conan's guy in the chair in this scene. It's like in Spider-Man. Right? We then see Sheratori walk outside, and the scene cuts to Takagi finding Sagawa's ring under Nishida's bed. The police are certain that he's the culprit. And Conan notices a rice hole pillow on the bed. Kogoro attempts to punch Conan for interfering, but misses and falls onto his own head, <laughs> which is quite funny. <laughs> Conan asks Nishida if he has a feather allergy, which he confirms. Conan says that means Nishida isn't the culprit, and he feels like he's being watched again, but by Shiratori this time. Conan explains that Sagawa's room was filled with feathers, and the pillow was cut as well. The Suzuki chairman confirms the allergy, and, and Sonika puts it together that Nishina f- fled Ron's room since a pigeon was there, and that he wasn't intimidated by her beauty. Sad. <laughs> yeah, super sad. <laughs> right, sad indeed. Conan asks Megary if he knows a criminal called Scorpion that specializes in stealing Romanov dynasty treasures. He's convinced by Conan that Scorpion is the culprit, and Kogoro then asks Conan how he knows of this criminal. Sheratori says Conan asked Professor Gasa, which confirms that the person Conan felt was watching him was Sheratori. Conan worries that Sheratori is the one to expose his secret and realizes that he can't be careless and use the tranquilizer in front of him. So, uh, we're starting to get some drama here. Yeah, and almost like an unlikely place, because Sheratori, I can't remember if he ever really paid that much attention to Conan. Maybe, like, he does kind of like, I think that Takagi uh, is definitely one to listen to Conan a lot more. Shiratori's sort of just around and Conan's there. Like, I don't, there's not that big of a relationship between them, at least what I've seen so far in the show. So for this to happen is very out of character for Shiratori. And this is about the time where I started shifting my uh, thoughts back, like, that it, the kid wasn't actually Takagi, it's Shiratori. And also, like, the whole, like, we got that little clip of Shiratori on, um, on deck looking at the uh, emergency lifeboats and like okay what's he doing out there so like i was trying to starting to piece together that oh it's actually kid in disguise uh, here's something you might have not considered colleen but did you know that shiratori has not appeared in the anime yet yes <laughs> i realized that yes. i was actually uh not i was kind of like messed up in my head in terms of oh because i didn't really like i forgot that hibera was in this one too so the timeline's definitely kind of conflicting in the series and i don't know shiratori's i think he's gonna show up soon though but uh, yeah he's yeah he shows up soon but he's only been in the movies exactly so like i feel like most people that have watched just the anime to this point they don't really know too much about shiratori so i don't feel like anything seems truly like out of character because they barely know oh that's a good point that's yeah because um like we did find out about him in the past two movies like how he's from a rich family and he knows like certain things so that does trickle into the series later because he ends up being the one who knows about wine or and art and things like that but yeah you're totally right like the relationship thing between him and conan and maybe him and the other characters yeah unknown at this point 
Mm-hmm. I can definitely agree with that. Kind of mentions that Sagawa was shocked when he saw Nishino and asked if they ever met before. It took him a while to remember, but Nishino says that he saw Sagawa filming a young girl whose bur- who's home burned down during a civil war in Asia. What a place to be taking a vacation. Okay, yeah, exactly. Sagawa being there, I'm not too surprised, but why is Nishino there? Right. Like, maybe he was trying to help the like the country or something, but I don't know. It was just really random. He's like, yeah, during one of my trips, I was in this war-torn country. And I was like, what? Yeah, okay, that, that would be a little bit more of a better explanation if he was there, you know, building hospitals or wells or things like that. Sagawa didn't stop filming even after Nishino had warned him, so eventually he punched him. Kind of remarks that Nishino was lucky, as he would have been made out to be a ring thief if Sagawa wasn't killed. Kegura says that there are two cases here, the murder and Sagawa wanting to cause trouble for Nishino, who he held a grudge against. Sagawa showed the ring off to everybody and then hid his ring under Nishino's bed while he took a shower, and he took the ballpoint pen back to his room. However, he was shot to death before he could frame Nishino for being the thief. Kegaro believes that Scorpion wanted the tapes because Sagawa had unknowingly filmed something that could have revealed their identity. The room was trashed looking for the ring, which the killer also wanted. So, uh, two crimes. Yeah, I did find that rather peculiar at this point that there was two crimes. That, for one, that the camera guy, Sagawa... He was just trying to basically get some petty revenge, but ended up getting up his comeuppance for it. But yeah, then that this whole like whole just like murder thing is very it definitely it definitely raises the tension for everyone on the ship. Yeah, for sure. Megary wonders if Scorpion is still on the ship and Sheratori informs him that one of the lifeboats is missing. The art dealers relieved that a murderer is no longer on the ship, but Shiratori says that Scorpion could show up at Kusaka Castle, as they might be after the other egg. Shiratori then asks Megari to go to the castle with Natsumi and the others once the ship arrives in Tokyo and is given permission to do so. Kagura tells Conan that he won't be coming along, but Shiratori asks for Conan to be brought along as his unique way of thinking might be helpful. So this was another red flag in retrospect that they were really... Really wanted Conan to be there. But, you know, they, they build it up so you think he's just suspicious of Conan's identity. So, like, that gives him a reason to want Conan to be around. I guess it's all a matter but, uh, of perspective. Because, like, if at this point you had any suspicion that it was Kid, like, I read it in that, you know, Kid respects Conan and sort of respects his abilities enough to want him around. But, uh, yeah, and for anyone who wasn't in that mindset, yeah, it kind of would seem like Shiratori maybe thought that he was also Shinichi, which is a little funny, if at least thinking back, because then that would mean that both Shiratori and Ron were suspicious of Conan, although they didn't, you know, compare notes at any point. Right, and then that this is basically like, wow, then that they were still on the ship, that Ron just kept on doing, like, side glances and just kept on, like kept on just like just kept on giving just that intense stare each time that Conan was explaining situations and then that she was just like that just basically that she was just going go she was just going just through a a lot of mental gymnastics during just that this whole like case and such yeah I guess that's one of the things that annoys me about um the whole Ron suspicion uh trope or plot point plot line thing like I know I said earlier that I don't mind, you know, the repetition of it, but 
it does seem a little weird that you know in a regular Conan episode Conan goes through the motions and he does his deductions and Ron doesn't say anything but then there are times in the movies or sometimes in the show where like she'll get one little trigger and then she'll think it's Shinichi for the entire time so it's like why are you thinking that now when Conan so shows these same deductive abilities other times I guess it's the whole like Shinichi birthday thing too but like it's just like why are you flip-flopping Ron yeah I definitely feel you Mm -hmm. there feel you on that one the next day we see then see the detective boys angrily talking about how Conan never contacted them while in Osaka then spot Highbearer talking to the professor about traveling to where Conan is and they sneak into Agassi's yellow beetle the little little pricks (laughs) Mm -hmm. while driving Highbearer spots them in the back and the kids reveal themselves causing Agassi to nearly crash out of shock which is quite funny. Sergei, the Russian embassy member, tells Kogoro that Maria had big gray eyes and was the kindest child out of four siblings. He says the entire family was gunned down after the Russian Revolution, but Maria and the crown prince's bodies were never confirmed. They arrive at the castle, and Shuratori says it resembles Germany's Neuschwanstein Castle, which serves as the model for Cinderella's castle. So I like how Sheratori has all this castle knowledge. He really is too rich. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's so much smaller than my family's castle. Back to like whenever he was introduced back into movie one, that he had showed knowledge about architecture as that both of y'all had stated earlier. Earlier, and then I was just going to say then that that just is probably just from his architecture knowledge and whatnot. Yeah, that makes sense. Conan wonders why the castle is German when Natsumi's great-grandmother was Russian, and that's when Agasa arrives. Conan's shocked to see all the kids, and he receives an, a set of upgraded glasses from Agasa. Did you guys, like, figure out that they were bulletproof now, or was it a surprise later? Pretty much now. Now. Yeah, and there's a funny exchange where he's like, so why the hell are the kids here? And he's like, they jumped in. There's nothing I could do. <laughs> yeah. Conan's really showing his, you know, 17-year-old self. Because usually he tolerates the detective boys, but for some reason he was particularly annoyed with them. The detective, well, he knows there's a killer. He doesn't want a bunch of kids next to a top-tier assassin, you know? No, that's true. Right? Probably wouldn't want Ron there either. The detective boys are excited to search for treasure, but are told by Kegaro that they are forbidden from going inside. We learn that the art dealer, in a way, is late as he had to make stops before he arrived. And then he comes shortly afterwards with a big bag on his back. Hybera then warns Conan to be careful as Scorpion might be closer than he expects. After the adults enter, Kogoro instructs the butler to lock the doors so the kids can't come in. And the detective boys then run off, vowing to find another entrance to the building. You know, we did just have, like, an anime episode where they, like, found all these secret passageways into the uh into that other castle that was just randomly built in the woods Mm -hmm. so like i i liked how this came like shortly after that because of course they would think they could find a way into that castle they were just in one yeah exactly Mm -hmm. they're experts they're also treasure hunters like they do it all yeah while being shown the different rooms to the castle in a way sneaks off and examines all the paintings in the ladies room which, to Misahiko's disappointment, is not a restaurant. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he 
finds a safe and uses a lockpicking set to open it. While the egg isn't there, there are a bunch of jewels that he's happy to steal. He grabs them and his arm gets trapped by an anti-theft device. And he's like, ah, oh, shit. And then sudden, suddenly so- several swords fall from the ceiling, but they're like attached to stuff so they don't go all the way down. And he's able to duck out of the way, just barely dodging them. The group then finds him there, and the butler warns that there are many more anti-theft devices in the castle before releasing Inoue from the trap. Uh, so, his character's really, he is really just the scummiest dude. Right. Ball, yeah. But, like, why did nobody, like, they all acted like nothing happened. They're just like, oh, ha, 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 there's more where that came from, so be careful. Like Classic Inoue. <laughs> right. I think they were expecting him to be a shady shithead, so they were like, oh, this guy, this goober. Yeah. Plus, I think you learn your lesson after, like, 20 swords fall down. And then nearly, like, breaking your arm, because then the way that it was drawn, I thought he might have broke his arm, because the way he just stooped down so quick, I thought his (laughs) wrist or something got broken. Yeah. Like, serves you, he just, like, he just, like, serves you right, dirtbag didn't look particularly flexible or athletic so yeah totally with you there <laughs> shiratori takes all of inoue's equipment except for a portable flashlight and kind of notes that kichi really enjoyed trick mechanisms Conan asks if there's a basement but is told no and then asks if kichi had a room on the first floor they are then showed his office which is adorned with photographs but none of Na- none of natsumi's great-grandmother they spot a photograph of Rasputin with Kichi, who Koguro calls one of the greatest villains of that era. Inoue says that the mad monk Rasputin caused the downfall of the Romanov dynasty and was murdered by Prince Yusupov. His body was later found in the river, and he had his right eye missing, just like uh, just like the victims have in this case. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Koguro begins to smoke in the room, and Conan quickly steals the cigarette out of his hand. Rather than be a cool guy and take a puff, Conan says there's a breeze coming from below and uses the smoke to find the secret passage switch. So much cooler, because smoking is not Mm -hmm. good. He finds a pen pad with the Russian alphabet on it, and he asks Sergei to use it. Kogoro believes that the code is... Uh, Vospominania. But it doesn't open. They then try Kichi's name, but that also doesn't work. Conan then brings up the weird phrase that Natsumi couldn't figure out and says that it might be Russian. She tells it to Sergei, but it's kind of gibberish in its current form. Conan says the pauses might be different. Sergei's trying to sound it out, but Siren just immediately figures it out. And in English, the phrase would be the last wizard of the century. Do you find it odd that Siren figured it out? I mean, she does research Russian history and stuff, so it doesn't seem too far-fetched that she'd have a grasp of the language, but she kind of knew it right off the bat, which was kind of a, kind of suspicious. Yeah, I thought it was way too Yeah, quick. that was pretty sus. Sergey enters the phrase into the pen pad, and the secret basement emerges. Did you like this, uh, the whole castle basement stuff? I thought it looked really cool, like the different rooms they wind up going to. I thought it looked awesome. Oh, absolutely. I was just like, man, that this is a cool segment. Just all of these secret passage riddles. I live for this kind of stuff. I want that at my house. Do you want to have a coffin in your house too, Colleen? No, I mean, if it's like all or nothing, then I'd rather the nothing. But if I can just get the passageways with the cool gadgets and like the the photo, whatever it was called, the thing that makes... You want Shinichi's anime bones in a coffin? 
okay, let's not be creepy. Necrophilia is illegal. Well, you're not. What are you? Uh, ew. I was going to say, what are you doing with a bone? But then I I figured out some stuff. <laughs> um, as they walk down the steps, we see the detective boys unable to find an entrance. Highbury then notices a small tower and heads to look at it. The other kids follow and open the door, but there's nothing there. And then an exhausting Algasa who runs down the stairs, rests his hands on the wall outside. However, it triggers a trap, and all the kids fall down a trap door. Luckily, the kids land on Genta's soft belly, which kept them from getting hurt. Except for Genta, I guess, but he has a hard head. I mean, but (laughs) Barra basically did a three-point landing, just kind of stomped herself, and then just dropped down like just like a straight-up G she is. Thank you. It's nice to have another high bearer respecter on the podcast. <laughs> I like the irony of Agasa putting these kids in danger when he's supposed to be protecting them. <laughs> yeah, it'd be so yeah. much safer if they just didn't hang out with him. <laughs> That's right. That is true. High bearer finds a rope ladder that was cut and sees another door that they can explore. They decide to search the castle rather than wait for Agasa to save them. Sergei asked Natsume why the password was the last wizard of the century, and she believes it was because her grandfather was referred to by that name. She says that Kichi exhibited mechanical dolls at the 1900 Paris World's Fair when he was only 16, and that he went to Russia after that. They hear a sound in the secret basement, and Ken runs after it. Ron tries to follow suit, but Shiratori says he'll go. Inoue then spots Scorpion, and he follows them through a door, and he's swiftly shot through the eye. <laughs> what were you thinking was going to happen, bro? I don't know what he was thinking. He's just like, I'm going to go and stop somebody with my overweight self. My huge backpack. <laughs> well, he doesn't have his backpack anymore. He, just had he only a has the flashlight. Well, that's yeah. right, because your Tori confiscated all, all this is, stuff. All it is, it just reminds me of just the scene from Friday after next, next to where then that Craig and Day Day just get the whistles, and then that, all you gotta do is just blow the whistle. Toot, toot. <laughs> but it didn't work out up in his case with the flashlight. Indeed. Just shine it in the killer's eye. That's all he had. Oh, God. The detective boys then run into Conan and Shiratori, meaning they were the noise that they heard. They rejoin the larger group, and Kogoro then comes across a dead end. Not a dead end away. Nobody even notices that this dude's gone. No. <laughs> right? That's so funny. I'm just like, um, can't you guys, like, deduce who the killer is by the people that are missing? Shiratori says there aren't any other paths, so Kenan believes there must be a hidden mechanism. The door is adorned with many, bo- many birds, and there's one big one with two heads wearing a crown in front of a sun. Hibera says it's a double-headed eagle, which is the Emperor's crest. Conan tells Shiratori to narrow the beam of light and to shine it on the crown. He does just that, and then the crown flashes, and another hidden entrance emerges be- beneath Conan. Starts dropping poor Conan. I thought he was going to like get crushed or something. Eh, he's all good. <laughs> but I was a little nah, disappointed that they didn't call on Ron to shine the light, since she's an expert in that department. I know. She she right. shared her skills. She worked on all those other cases, and she can't even shine a light here. Very disrespectful. <laughs> Taken but her she did away. hold the ashtray before dinner. They found the basement entrance, so she did something. All right, new job found for Ron. The rest of the group follows him down, and they find a coffin inside an egg-shaped room. There's a huge lock on it, and Kenan reminds Natsumi that she has a key. 
and unlocks the pad padlock and Kagero opens the casket. Inside of it is a dead body and the other egg. Natsumi believes the, bod the body is of her great-grandmother. She then allows Sergei to take a look at the egg and he sees a small hole in the bottom. However, the egg is empty inside. Ayumi asks if it's a matryoshka, the Russian nest nesting dolls. Sergei believes that it might be the case as there are gaps inside the egg that would make sure the smaller one wouldn't move. And that's when Shiratori reveals that he has the egg with him and that he had borrowed it from Suzuki thinking something like this would happen. It was kind of like one of those cooking show moments where they're like, I've already prepared this ahead of time. <laughs> but did you guys think it was like, okay, I don't I actually don't know if you guys knew, thought it was Kid at this point, but did you think that Shiratori actually, you know, borrowed it in case or if it was Kid, he actually stole it at this point and... Oh, no. I was completely blindsided by the kid oh, okay, stuff. Okay. I did not realize he was Shiratori until the very end. That I had immediately kind of like, oh, that this got to be kid by this point. Especially since then, that whenever then they were entering the castle, then I'm like, why is he holding his duffel bag still? I found that kind of odd, but I'm like, okay, that this got to be kid at this point. There was a point where I thought kid was Ron, and I was like, Okay, is he? Is that why he's suspicious? Because it's kid. Oh, okay, yeah. And then I, like I was going everywhere except for the right answer. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> what kid does to us, and the rest of the police force. They, yeah, yeah, true. They insert the smaller egg, and it fits exactly into the larger one. High Bear looks at Conan and says that he's not satisfied. Conan feels that there should be something more to the egg and a mechanism that lives up to the last wizard of the century name. Natsumi says that the egg doesn't have diamonds on it, but just ordinary glass. Conan says the glass on the egg serves as a lens and borrows it for a second. He tells Shiratori to put his flashlight on a nearby stand and then sits the egg on it after the candles are put out. We see the whole egg flashes and we can see inside. The top of the egg then projects photographs of Emperor Nicholas's family and the book he was reading was actually a family album. That's why the egg was called the Memory's Egg. And Sergei mentions that they couldn't have designed a better present. Karen then spots one photograph of Kichi and Natsumi's great-grandmother, who Natsumi is able to see for the very first time. What do you think about the uh, the trick here and what the egg wound up being, Colleen? Oh, I thought it was so good. Like, all of this kind of, um, I don't know, old-fashioned mechanical stuff is always really intriguing to me and just the fact that it was able to do that and showed all these photographs I, it was actually a little emotional because you know knowing the history of the Romanovs is a little sad I guess uh, to see you know them all displayed you know their happy memories so yeah it was definitely an impactful scene what about you Spence oh yeah that this scene was so was just so impactful with just that the way that the uh two eggs were basically like lighting up kind of like powering up and in that you just see that the entire family album and stuff that just going back and in that and then i do agree with colleen with just that the whole like romanoff family history is is quite tr tragic it is kind of like emotional it almost got me teary-eyed watching this scene yeah i thought it was a really good payoff here uh you know getting to see that cmbc you know, part of her family for the first time. I thought that was really cool. Karen then notices that one of the women in the family photos looks like Natsumi herself. And 
I mean, I thought this was really obvious that Maria was her uh, grandmother, and it's revealed, like, way later at the very end of the film as, like, some big, like, oh, I bet you didn't think this, but, like, I thought that was way more obvious than half the other stuff going <laughs> on here. Did you guys have that figured out by now? Uh, not really. I mean, like, I thought maybe that's where they were trying to lure us into thinking that, but it wouldn't end up being it. But, because, uh, like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, uh, when it comes to, like, all the controversies around who survived, you know, the assassination and whatnot, Anastasia seemed to be the more um, well-known story of, like, how she was the one who escaped. So I didn't know about Maria being the one who potentially escaped. So, I don't know, it just didn't um, strike me immediately. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, like, I guess... It was meant to be like, okay, Maria survived and she actually, you know, was able to escape and she had a family at one point. Right. I am uh, pretty much just up in at the same boat as Colleen, just like, just uh, like then that the way that wish that we will get to it about at the end, about, about it at the end of the film. But, but it's just like then that I, I had knew about the whole Anastasia story but I never knew about the whole Maria story and then I just think that it's a nice you know like a bow tie to basically her family history for Natsumi apparently Anastasia did not escape yeah so I I don't know which one apparently Maria died too yeah well <laughs> apparently all of them did like uh, I don't know back in the gosh was it like the 40s or 50s like, and at one point, like, a bunch of people came out saying, you know, I'm the Grand Duchess Anastasia, or I'm so-and-so who escaped. So, in this film, for whatever reason, they chose to say that it was Maria and the, the, the brother, the crown prince, but I think Anastasia is the more popular one, at least, like... Interesting. But anyways, yeah. yeah I, don't, I, I don't have a ton. Uh, I just Googled Maria for the first time. I wanted to make sure she was a real yeah. person. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think, like, the current status is that we're told that they all uh, perished. Sergei says that this egg isn't of Russia's, but rather representative of Japan's superb legacy, and says that they relinquish all ownership of the egg and its contents. I found this a little odd, because I didn't know that like somebody who just worked for the embassy, he's not even the ambassador, like could actually just forfeit Russia's claim to this thing, right? <laughs> just all by himself. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I think he was saying, hey, I'll explain it to the people. Yeah, yeah. Right. I get what you mean. Natsumi then thanks him and remembers that the inner egg belongs to the Suzuki family. However, Kegura says he'll talk to Shiro for her and that he'll be understanding. So it looks like we're getting this, like, a feel-good ending here, you know? It's like, yeah. man, there's not going to be any more violence. Which is Everybody's celebrating good times. Everybody's happy. Nobody's going to buy the egg. It's going to stay with the family. So, yeah. Nice. And that's when Conan finally notices that Inoue disappeared. <laughs> and Hibera points out that there wasn't a photo of Rasputin, despite him being close to the royal family. And that's when Conan notices a red dot sight on Kogoro's face. And to get him to move, he doesn't yell at Kogoro, he doesn't say anything. He chucks a flashlight <laughs> at him. <laughs> I would have loved to have been around the creative table to see this come up. Like, okay, guys, so we need uh, to somehow have Conan tell Kogro that he's in danger. Should we just, like, have him yell his name out or, like, you know, try and throw himself at Kogro to push him out of the way? No, no, no. Let's throw the flashlight instead. Right. So Ron goes to pick it up, 
And then Conan lets out like a primal yell. He's like, Ron! <laughs> and that reminds her of Shinichi for some reason. Because <laughs> he's always yelling at her, apparently. <laughs> right. And uh, Conan uh, is able to tackle her and helps her avoid gunfire. Because he didn't have any flashlights left to throw. Yeah, as Natsumi is running away from the gunfire, she drops the egg and Scorpion picks it up and runs off with it. Shiratori runs off after Conan and tells Kegura to take care of everybody left behind. They run after the criminal who uses a grenade to try to block the way. Conan then stumbles upon Inoue's dead body, but he just keeps running. He's like, oh well. Nobody cares about this guy. <laughs> right? The killer resets the hidden pathway in the office and Conan is stuck below. We then see Agasa arrive back at the castle with a large bag. Conan finds a switch to open the path from below, and we see Scorpion lighting a bunch of oil on fire. Kogoro's voice then confronts Scorpion, telling them to hold it right there as they won't be getting away. N- another voice is heard saying that they know who they are, and while they pretend to be Chinese, they are actually Russian. We then see Conan using his bow tie say that Siran is actually a descendant of the mad monk Rasputin, so it's her. Women, always the killer, Colleen. How about that? Yeah, I just got used to that. Were you were you surprised any, uh, Spencer? No, I was not actually surprised by this one because that I would go to it later up and just at the uh, wrap-up of the movie, but it just seemed just rather off for her to just basically that she wasn't really saying anything or nothing, so she did just kind of just seem rather just a lot of suspicious and then that a way that just that the vibe that she was given given just to me was just like something is not right with her. Yeah, that's my reaction to most women. Just something's not right with them. Oh, yeah. As you tell me every week. Oh, back in the underground basement, Kegra finds the blocked entrance. Hybera demands that everybody follows her and even Kegra listens to her saying, yes, ma'am. To a woman 30 years younger than he is. Which I thought was just hilarious. How cool is Hybera? Isn't she great, Colleen? No. Why are you asking me? Who's being, assur- who's being the assertive person cool and in control here? Is it Ron? No. It's Hybera. Ron is just so concerned about the man that she's in love with. That that's what's taking up her energy right now. Hybera doesn't give anything <laughs> doesn't care about Shinichi's safety Conan then uses Sagawa's voice to say that Hoshi Siren's Chinese name sounds like Pusu Chinran which is Rasputin rearranged in Chinese she fires several shots but misses Conan who's running from cover to cover quickly he says that the Romanov treasures should should have belonged to Rasputin originally and that's why she saw all of the treasures he then uses Inoue's voice to say that her shooting out the right eyes was retribu- retribution for her murdered ancestor. Conan then just walks right in front of her and says that he's using a voice-changing bow tie. What do you think his uh, method was here, Colleen? It's like, why would you just walk out in front of her? Uh, I mean, he's going for the cool factor. He's got, you know, the fire, the explosion behind him. And he's just giving away all of his trade secrets, apparently. But... Like, at this point, I don't... So, for anybody who didn't really get the whole glasses thing, like, I would be probably in a a bit of a panic and, like, what is he doing? Why is he, like, walking out in front of this person with a gun? Um, 
So it was like either one of two things. He had like confidence in the glasses, although I don't know if he should have had that confidence seeing it's as <laughs> Agasa's invention. Or uh, there was something about the bullets. And as we learn, like he's he was counting the bullets. Mm-hmm. She asks who the hell he is, and he introduces himself as Edegawa Conan, a metante. <laughs> what? It's just the way that you said it. I know, my voice, like, cracked while I oh, said it. Oh, I thought it. you did that on purpose. <laughs> no, it was just, I can't talk. He says she killed Sagawa because she felt her identity would be exposed as he filmed her room before she could turn down a photograph of Gregory Rasputin. How goofy is it that she's trying to keep, like, her identity a secret, but she keeps this damn like incriminating photograph with her all the time it was stupid like i okay she had a photograph of her ancestor Mm, okay not everybody does that maybe some people sure why not i can i can get that um why is it with her on you know not that she was on vacation but like on this yacht because that's where she had it like why is she traveling around with this photograph yeah and like proudly displayed too like it I, I guess it just I, goes to show that she's psycho, you know? I mean, that considering the fact of, I would, I would say that it can tie into this. Because that you know how, like, the, those assassins that have, like, those ancestral traits and stuff that they would carry around mementos of loved ones around and basically say, like, that this is for my family and then that that's probably what she had had just in mind. Uh, basically, just like you remember the goal that, you know, that this is for Rasputin. So most assassins probably just typically have that kind of thing going on with just family ties or bonds or something like that. Yeah, before I commit every murder, I look at a Conan Nendoroid and I just look at his eyes and I say, give me strength, Conan, to commit this murder. I think that'd be the opposite effect that those eyes are scold you and be like, no, Tyler, you shouldn't commit the murder. I will find out where you are and arrest you. Well, he hasn't yet. <laughs> maybe that you are Kaido Kid. Well, maybe. Scorpion uh, killed Inoue because he saw her install a silencer onto her gun. However, she went after Kogoro because he had bad mouth Rasputin and even tried to target Ron's life, which Conan finds unacceptable. That's because she didn't know who he was. She yeah. was just being petty at that point. Yeah, yeah. Scorpion tells Conan that he has to die now, and he points out her gun is a Walther PBK slash S. Its magazine capacity is eight rounds. She used three bullets to shoot at Inoue, Kogoro, and Ron. He then spooked her and had her fire off five here, so she should be out of bullets. However, she says she loaded an eight cartridge magazine into the gun when it already had one in the chamber. So she actually has nine shots. Oh, damn. And Conan oh, says, shit. well, how about you shoot me if there's any left, huh? <laughs> okay, Wild West showdown. And so she does exactly that. She lifts up her gun. She decides to shoot Conan in his right eye after calling him a stupid boy. However, the bullet ricochets off his glasses, which... This does not seem realistic. Like, even with bulletproof stuff, I don't think, like, that being so close to your eyeball that I feel like it would still jar it. To me, that I completely 100% agree with you, because even though that this is Scorpion's M.O. to shoot somebody in their right eye, she could have easily shot at his leg and then reloaded and just unloaded on him, pretty much. But But for Conan and his game of Russian roulette, if you will... I think it paid off, but it. But up in real life, I will not believe this. 
Not at all. What do you think, Colleen? Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of with Spencer here. Like, Conan had to have so much confidence that she was gonna go for the right eye. Like, she she could have shot him in the chest if she wanted to, and that would be the end of it. So, like, I don't know if it was just like blind ambition at this point, like, or blind confidence, I guess, saying that you know this is what she does. She always shoots people in the right eye, so she's gonna go for the eye. But like, uh, I mean, I don't know the technicalities of bulletproof glass or bulletproof materials like if it would at least shatter or something especially if it's close to the eye as you mentioned so unless Agasa came up with like some super thing like super material that nobody else has in this world then yeah the realism isn't quite there Conan powers up his shoes and kicks a piece of armor at her after her gun gets hit by a card so that's our clue that uh, Kaito Kid is there he kicks her in the chest and she gets knocked out. Kenan says it's too bad for her as he had Agasa make specialized bulletproof glasses. Shiratori then arrives and he retrieves Siren's body as the castle starts to collapse. I like how Kid was like, you know, I'll take out the gun, but only after she fires at him once. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? He's like, I want to see how Conan handles himself here. Yeah. But it's nice that he, uh, or Shiratori, quote-unquote, is um, actually going to take Saron out of the castle. Right. Meanwhile, Kegaro and the others climb up from the other tower, thanks to a rope ladder that Agasa brought with him. Mitsuhiko then realizes the castle is on fire. The kids cry out for Conan, but he calls them a noisy lot as he's leaning on Agasa's car with the egg like a cool guy. He says Shiratori retrieved the egg from Scorpion, who was arrested and taken to the police station. And Kegra is shocked that Siren wound up being Scorpion and feels like it's a waste of her beautiful legs. Because, oh. <laughs> yeah, obviously someone with beautiful legs can't be a criminal, according to Kogoro. Right. The fire department arrives and Kogoro apologizes to Natsumi about the fire. She says that even though that the castle is burned down, she still has the precious egg her great-grandfather created. She says her basement should be fine as well, so she can transfer her great-grandmother's remains to lie with Kichi in the tomb. Kogoro notes that Ken never showed up, and Ayumi wonders if he really did die. However, Conan says he is still around as they look at the flames. I guess I, I skipped over this part, but uh, it's explained that Kichi, like, the great-grandmother couldn't be put in the tomb because she was Russian, and I guess they couldn't... Since it was like a hostile environment at the time, mm -hmm. they couldn't have her buried there. So that's why he made the tomb and stuff. He wasn't just some weirdo. Yeah, like with the rest of the family Yeah, he members. wasn't like just being a complete weirdo, like keeping her down there. Back at the Mori Detective Agency, Ron is taking care of the dove when Conan walks in. Ron thanks Conan for saving her in the castle and says he was really cool back then. It was almost as if you were Shinichi, Ron says with tears in her eyes. Really? Just like Shinichi. But you're not him. That's right, Conan. And she just starts bawling. And uh, it's weird here, because this is when I thought Ron was a uh, Kaita kid. Because <laughs> Conan doesn't look like he's like, oh shit, she got me. He has like this smug look on his face. And he says, this is it. And I thought, oh, this is his chance to try to take down Kit. But no, he's talking about admitting his true identity. Yeah, because he's still just got the fortune on his mind, right? Like, oh, okay, here it goes. Mm-hmm. He takes off his glasses and he's about to confess when Ron sh sees Shinichi enter the room. Conan is quite shocked to say as an understatement to see his older self there. 
And Ron asks if he really is Shinichi. What's that supposed to mean, the imposter says. I heard you got involved in the case, so I just came to see how you were. Ron calls him an idiot and asks why he doesn't call, but he says that he has a lot of cases and he has to head back even tonight. She runs upstairs, telling him to wait right there, but he walks off. This is very much like the real Shinichi. Like, I thought uh, I thought Kid really nailed it here. Yeah, he's so yeah. good at playing Shinichi. Absolutely. I, I was just thinking to myself, like, like, so we can get into it later, but up in my head, Ken, and then I'm just like, Kaido Kid just, like, goes to, like, the, just, just, just goes to the Kudo residence to just like read up about Shinichi's mannerisms and such. <laughs> but yeah, that that was just, he nailed it 10 out of 10. Although looks wise, it's one of the laziest disguises because all he has to do is change his hair a little bit and he's done because he and Shinichi have the same Pretty voice much. and face. Lazy or effective? Um, Either or for It actually me. turns out to be both in this case. Conan follows Shinichi and tells Kaito Kid to stop right there. He admits that Kid fooled him and that he never suspected that he had disguised the detective Shiratori. That's when I realized that Kid was Shiratori. Oh, really? Like the moment it's revealed? <laughs> oh, my. That's when I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> You're just like, why is Kid going upstairs to get clothing? <laughs> Kid then whistles and his dove joins him. Meanwhile, back at the police station, Sheratori actually comes back from his vacation. And Megury's like, great job. You did such good work. <laughs> and he's like, I just got back from Kari Zukawa. What are you talking about? And Megury's like, huh? <laughs> Nani? But, my, but that the biggest question is that does that the real Sheratori actually get paid for that work? That's the real question. Hopefully. Well, he doesn't need it. Yeah, that's true. Conan says that kid knew what was going to happen on the ship, and he says not exactly, but he had the ship's radio tap just in case. Conan then asks if the real reason he wanted to steal the egg was to return it to Natsumi, the rightful owner, as he knew it was created by Kusaka Kichi, the last wizard of the century. Kid asks what else Conan figured out, and he reveals that Natsumi's great-grandmother is Maria. And we learn that Maria's body was never found because she was rescued by Kichi and brought to Japan. They eventually fell in love and had a child. However, she passed away shortly afterward, and in order to protect Maria's body from being found by Russian revolutionaries, he sold the jewels she had and built a castle. The reason it was a German castle was because her mother, Empress Alexandra, was German. Thus, Maria's body was buried with the egg in the basement, and the clue to the castle was left in the remaining egg so that their descendants would discover it. Conan says that all mysteries have been solved, and Kid gives Conan a piece of advice. There are some things in this world better left as mysteries. A series of doves overtake Kid's body. And he asks Conan if he can solve the mystery as to why he appeared here as Shinichi and helped out his annoying rival. Kid then snaps his fingers and he disappears as the doves disperse right as Ron runs out of the building. However, Conan doesn't believe that it's even fit to be called a mystery. And that Kid simply helped him out since they took care of his injured dove. So, uh. Nice seeing the soft side of Kid here. I, I like. I really like. And we we saw this in the last Kid episode, where he wasn't stealing the jewel, but it was that uh, it was the magicians' club with the chat room and stuff. Yeah. Um, we're mm-hmm. seeing this side of Kid where he's not always stealing stuff for his own selfish desires. We're seeing a side of him where he's willing to. He has a sense of honor. That's kind of nice to see. Mm-hmm. 
definitely and i like Mm -hmm. this exchange between the two of them uh, as the finale like that sort of clash of philosophies you know you've got on the one hand the magician whose whole business is to be shrouded in mystery and then you've got the detective whose whole thing is about cracking mysteries and yet they can somehow find this like middle ground and it's really nice to see them have this little conversation at the end what do you think about the epilogue scene here spencer Oh man, that it's just basically just as like as just like Colleen said that you basically just have just at those two just dynamic uh, parallels to each other that you basically have just that, you know, Conan is basically, you know, like it's kind of like a mutual respect from what that the way that I had see, seen it as just basically then it's kind of like an eye for an eye, no pun intended. That they basically helped out each other up and up uh, up into this finale, and then yeah, it it just shows that you know that they have a friendly rivalry, so to speak. Definitely, we get the ending song in the credits, which is one by Bees. That's B apostrophe Z. I believe they do some other Conan songs that we haven't gotten to yet, so we'll probably talk about them in the future. This episode's gone too long, so I'm not going to go through all the lyrics like I had planned to. So uh, feel free to look that up by yourself if you want to read all the exciting Bees 1 lyrics. After the credits, Ron asks Kenan why he didn't stop Shinichi. He says that Shinichi said he'd be back, and she throws a bunch of towels in the air and strikes them, vowing that next time she sees him, that he'll get just that. And Kenan's like, well, I guess I'm going to stick with this body for now. And that's how the <laughs> film ends. It's truly not Conan without a little, like, uh, gag at the very end. Right. Yeah, a little threat of bodily harm. Yeah, and then that for the fact of that she's a karate champion chopping a towel, I was just, now that, I was just talking to my girlfriend about this, be, now that, now that before that we started recording, just like, what strength does it take for you to cut through fabric with your bare hand? Like, Jesus Christ, where's this ran? I mean, Ron. So, uh, overall, let's get some thoughts on the film. Spencer, kick us off. What do you think about uh, this movie? That this movie, that this movie was very, very interesting. That it was the stronger of the three that we have seen. Seen, but I, but I still, but I do still think that this uh, movie is ranked number one for me. As far as the actual mystery go, that it was kind of like in- interesting with that the whole like family history, you know, then that you got this assassin that is basically that taking out Kaido Kid at first and that, you know, that if that you don't know what happened, then that you're like, holy crap, Kaido Kid is dead. And then that you got a lot of espionage and, mis- and just kind of like secret, you know, like secret, you know, like secret, uh, Family ties, secret rooms. It's, it's just, it's just like one of those uh, Detective Conan films that make you think of it as sort of, as sort of like a James Bond, Sherlock Holmes film. But I, but I enjoyed it overall. Colleen, what's your thoughts on the movie? Uh, I thought it was awesome. Like it, this was better than I remembered it. All I remembered really from the first time watching it was the Rasputin part. I didn't really remember the rest of the film, but it was so good. The plot was top-notch. It had my attention the entire time. Like it was such a satisfying movie on so many counts. Uh you I love that we get sort of the full 
almost well the current full cast of characters you got a little bit of Heidi in there you got the detective boys you get Kaido Kid um so it was nice to just see like the movie was kind of separated into three distinct parts right you got the Osaka part you got the boat and then you've got the castle but it all kind of melded into one cohesive picture and it was so beautifully done I thought um it was uh nice to see uh sort of the the way that they put in that Russian history part, because I guess it could have come off as jarring, but I thought it uh, was incorporated really well. Um, and I didn't, I guess the gags were pretty good. I don't know if it was like the top movie in terms of gags or like compared to episodes or whatnot, but I think I think the humor was consistently there and it was just overall such a great watch and I could not stop. Like I, I was, I, I felt really bad always pausing to take notes because I just wanted to keep watching and keep the momentum going, and um, I guess I have a question. Well, sister, let me tell you this: you don't know what it is to pause and take notes. <laughs> That's true. I should not talk, not in front of you, Tyler. Um, so I was thinking about and like, at first the title really tripped me up because I guess it could have like a triple meaning in my view at least, like because I thought. The Last Wizard of the Century referred to Kaido Kid at first, but then I shifted over to thinking, okay, are they talking about Rasputin because he was kind of known as a mystic uh, during his time, but then it ended mm-hmm. up being this Kichi guy. So I was like, okay, so the title is, like, it could be any one of those three in the end, if you really think about it. Um, but the thing that I was wondering was um, just trying to get back to Haiji's point about the fortune, like Conan's fortune on Osaka, like his um, identity identity being revealed. So it it doesn't happen, at least not with Ron. But then I was thinking, okay, did somebody else maybe figure out Conan's identity? I I thought it might have been Kid at this point. Like, is this like what solidifies that Kid knows that Conan is Shinichi? But we've already gotten sort of that feeling from the show like the magic lovers episode so i'm not sure if the fortune actually came true but anyways it's just something i'm gonna keep thinking about i guess yeah i thought the movie was really good uh, i really liked the core i, I like the, the the russian bits i thought that led into the, the core story i thought the payoff was really worth it with it not being like the super valuable thing uh you know like uh filled with jewels and stuff but rather it being emotionally valuable I thought that was a really cool twist. Uh, I thought the whole mystery was really well done. Everything tied in together nicely. I think it was a bit strange. The the movie was pretty murder-free for long periods of time. I guess maybe if you believe Kid had died, there was one earlier. But we really didn't have, like, a murder until halfway through the film. And usually these films kind of have, like, murder after murder. It's kind of, like, really, like, shockingly eventful. I think last time we had like six murders or something. Yeah, the countdown one. And yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, this didn't really get like as much drama from that perspective, but I, I thought they built up the uh, killer nicely at the end, and I thought the exchange where Conan was being kind of ridiculous and very, very uh, full of himself was still very cool. And uh, the ending segment with Ron and Kaido Kid as Shinichi, I thought was really great, and. uh it also shows that Kaido Kid knows uh, Conan's identity, which is interesting. Although, you know, you always have the caveat of movies not really being canon. But really, if you want to accept it as it is, it doesn't really change anything. Um, so that's 
an interesting point. Thought it was a really well done movie. I, I quite enjoyed it. So, thumbs up from me. Right. So, what are y'all's uh, individual rankings? Rankings as far as the movie so far? Well, shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no. That I am a, just talking about from just at the ones that we have all covered. I know, and I don't know about this, Colleen. Do you have? A, how about you answer so I can get my thoughts in place? Oh gosh. Um. I don't know if, uh, like, I guess this one ranks number one right now, and I don't know, I felt, I felt equally, um, you know, emotional and attached to the other movies, I suppose, at the end, uh, so I, maybe it's not a fair ranking if I don't do it back-to-back, but let's say for the, my feelings right now, uh, this one would be number one, Last Wizard of the Century, then it would be, I think, movie one, the skyscraper one and then like the time bomb skyscraper and then the the second movie the countdown to or whatever is the 14th target yeah i think i might actually put this last in the three that we've seen just because uh, the second film i really loved the stuff with kegra and eerie and i thought oh, that yeah. out, that like added a real emotional impact to their separation and i thought that was really interesting and then the first movie like uh, that's that's kind of just a classic. It might not hold up as well when compared to the twenty plus other movies, but you know, like uh, the the whole scene where they're in the skyscraper and the bombs are going off, and Ron just has so much trust in Shinichi, and you know she couldn't cut the red cord. I think that's such an impactful moment that I don't feel like this film has anything that goes to that level. Um, so maybe. This might have been like this was a really good movie, but I feel like no one scene is as impactful as the Kogoro stuff and that scene between Ron and Conan. So I would put this third uh, there, and uh, for first, I guess I'd go with the fourteenth target right now. But uh, that's not to say I didn't enjoy this. But uh, I think those those two movies had a bit more emotional pull on me with just how they kind of made you they added like some depth to the characters and this does add depth to kaido kid but i feel like the magician's case kind of gave a, a similar depth so i didn't really uh so yeah that, that that's where i stand good question we'll we'll continue to revisit that as we go on i remember really liking the sixth movie i don't really remember the next movie we're, we're doing is captured in her eyes which i don't really remember and then Counting the Heaven, which I also don't really remember. Yeah, so I, I remember so, uh, that one. F- I don't remember the next one that we're going to do. I remember both of those. <laughs> I remember movie four and five. So it'll be interesting going back to this. I'm excited. Absolutely. And we, I tweeted out on our Twitter if anybody had any thoughts. I'm going to read a few uh, fan responses here. Uh, from Twitter, at Save Case Close, says one of the great films in the franchise. Gives some more depth to The Phantom Thief, which certainly is true. Uh, Cat Pillows 2 says, I really like the suspense and code-breaking in this film, plus Ron's suspicion that Conan is Shinichi. So, they enjoy that aspect. Uh, Ryan Self says, I haven't seen it in a minute. There are some really great moments in the movie, like when you think Conan is going to be figured out. I personally think it is one of the more forgettable ones, since it's more of a treasure hunt and less of a murderer case. And then William Lee chimes in. He says, I don't remember much about this one either, but it's always nice when Kaito Kid makes an appearance. And I agree with that for sure. I always love seeing Kaito Kid. I love seeing Hattori. I kind of wish Hattori was in this film a little bit more than just the first half. 
I get it because first he got injured and the first half was in Osaka. But like when you get a taste of Hattori, <laughs> you kind of want some more. <laughs> can't, what are you laughing can't about? Can't help getting more page <laughs> The way you said it, whenever that you get a taste of Hattori, well, you always want more. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that to be fair, that since that I kind of can kind of relate to him, to him because of we have an accent and that the obvious other reasons, but it's just more so, more so that he did get kind of snubbed in this movie. So I do agree with you because then at that injury that we would have loved to see him more up in this, but I do understand that, you know, that the focus was more so on that, that dynamic relationship between kid and Conan versus those verse versus Conan and uh, versus Conan and uh, a Tory. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I will say one kind of disappointment, just because this was a kind of case, uh, we didn't get that big, like, he kind of stole the 50th one, but, like, the way it was the 50th uh, egg, but the way it was, or the f- 51st, sorry, but the way it was done, we didn't get that big, like, epic crime encounter of him outsmarting the police and, you know, putting on different disguise. Like, we didn't get, like, a big event like that, that, like, it was kind of leading up to. And no, I got so excited for seeing his antics. Yeah, but we, we missed that. But, but even that's such on a smaller scale because of them lying about where they put it. We don't get that big, like, encounter at the Osaka castle, like, that we were promised. And I was like, ah, come on. <laughs> My right. complaint would be um, figuring out how how kid survived and i guess this goes back to what he says like some things are better left a mystery obviously i think he's referring to you know the romanov family figuring out if any of them survived but in that same respect i guess you could say you know it's always going to be a mystery how kids survived that gunshot well maybe he has a bulletproof thing and that one just shattered on like you know what that's what i thought too i was like oh maybe he has a bulletproof Mm -hmm. monocle but then it was the one that Conan saw was the glass was broken. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> there goes my theory. It might have just been a weaker version of whatever bulletproof, but I'm actually, I am actually, that that is curious, honestly. How Don't dwell would, on the magic, guys. How would one survive <laughs> that? Yeah, let's not dwell on it. Some things are just better left off unsolved. Yeah, imagine this podcast if we do zero criticism and we're just like, you know what? Let the magic be the magic. Then it would just be that's, you. That's how we'll cover everything. It would just be you, like recapping the episode, Tyler. Oh God, I don't think I could deal with that. Yeah, so this is a really good film. I think we all enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week covering the anime, which is the night before the wedding locked room case part one and two. The hint going into that is pendant, if you don't recall, and so that should be exciting. I did not recall. Did so you, thank is you. Hattori in that? I think so. I think he is. I I guess he so, he uh, recovered from his injuries and is back on the case. Yeah. So hopefully Hattori's there. So that's exciting. And Spencer, as always, we want to thank you for coming on the Thanks podcast. So much. Yeah. Tell people where they can follow you on Twitter. Well, if then that you guys want to follow me on Twitter, that I don't, I don't really do a lot of stuff. But you can follow me at Twitter at uh, Ninja Spence Twenty One. 
You can also follow me on just on on Instagram. By that, the same thing. I sometimes stream on Twitch. So if that you want to discuss Detective Conan, any other anime and stuff while I'm working on art or else just suffering through Dark Souls or else Mario, you can just basically just come in and follow me there and then just hang out with me. But other than that, I'm just me. <laughs> cool hell yeah brother uh colleen smart she's not on twitter i'm on twitter at tyler trees and the show can be found at case underscore reopened want to thank you guys all for listening especially if you made it to the end of this extra long movie podcast yeah you guys are a bunch of troopers (laughs) films are a lot more to dive into we'd love to hear you guys rock all of you all of you wonderful listeners rock you all do so we'll talk to you guys next week thank you for listening bye 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 and remember one truth always prevails